Iowa everywhere. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hello, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere. We are thrilled to have you with us for episode three of Legends and Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am your host, Chad Leistico, longtime Iowa Hawkeyes columnist at the Des Moines Register, coming to you live today from the Channel Seed Studios. It is game week, and we've got a lot of meaty topics to dive into. Nobody I'd rather dive into them with than my good friend and rival on the Hawkeye beat, Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Uh, Scott, you know, week zero was fine, but I feel like for me today, this is the first day of college football. We've got some cool games tonight, and the Hawkeyes play at 11.03 a.m. on Saturday. I'm very excited, Chad. I mean, especially tonight. I mean, once you get into Big Ten football, then that's when I kind of my ears perk up and I'm really excited. I've missed the last few years where they've had week zero games. I mean, Illinois has played a couple of them last year. You also had Northwestern and, and Nebraska over in Ireland. I'd love to I'd love to see a week zero game next year. And maybe we will. You know, UCLA uh, mm-hmm. plays Hawaii. So uh, it'll have a week zero game most likely. And I'm sure they'll try to have one of their distance trips out of the way. So but uh, here we are tonight, Nebraska at Minnesota. It feels like a real kickoff day. And then, of course, Saturday at Kinnick Stadium, it'll definitely feel like it. Yeah, I, I can't wait for tonight uh, you know, to tune into that game. And uh, it's a big one, honestly, for the Big Ten West. We'll find out some things. We will talk about the Big Ten later in the show. But I uh, just wanted to remind you, as always, Legends and Listeners is brought to you each week by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Hopefully you've already been supporting our friends over there and have your tailgating gear in hand or in your car, but there's never a bad time to load up on more Heartland Flags and Gifts provides free shipping anywhere in the U.S., also delivers new products constantly and has you covered with nearly every team, every sport, and every flag. Uh, Lots of NASCAR stuff for me. Uh, Visit our our friends uh, online at heartlandflags.com or in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street, in Des Moines. All right, we've Scott, we've got a few appetizer topics before digging into our main course, which is going to be really fun. But let's uh, wet our whistles with more starting quarterback talk. Uh, Kirk Ferentz said last night on Good Timey Radio, we'll take it right up to game time, but we're expecting Cade McNamara to play right now. If he can't go, we'll go with Deacon. So, Scott, given what we know, what everything that's been said, what we've kind of learned behind the scenes, how much do you predict we will see Cade McNamara on the field Saturday? 60-40. I think uh, he's medically cleared to play. He has now practiced since Saturday. He did not practice for two weeks before that, so any kind of prediction of him playing is is moot until he actually gets on the practice field, in my opinion. But it really, to me, is going to come down to – does is Kirk Ferentz have faith that Cade McNamara will not hurt his leg by playing? Because if he re-injures it, you know, in any kind of way, shape, or form, then you're you're looking at him possibly or probably not playing in Jack Tri Stadium, not playing Penn State, potentially Michigan State on down the road. 
those games are of way more significance than Utah State. And I'm not, I'm, I, I think Iowa will win that game comfortably either way. However, if they were to lose, it's not a bigger loss than those other games. So I think at some point I would go 60-40 that he plays. In a normal week, I would say that he would probably play. But given the fact that it's going to be in the 90s and he's still coming off this injury, Chad, I think he's probably um, more closer to 50-50 than actually probable or definitely will play. What do you think? I mean, based on uh, where things are trending, I mean, I, I think he'll probably – Give it a go. I mean, I definitely would be on the on the yes side. I was more leaning toward the no side. I would say on Tuesday, based mm-hmm. based on even just what Cade said himself, he's like, ah, I haven't really been doing all the practice. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, you know, this is an ongoing process. I mean, when we talked to Kirk Ferentz last week, uh, you know, Cade had not been on the practice field yet, and uh, he has. And and they, you know, we're going to see how he responded. Uh, Kirk did say, you know, he was medically cleared. However. You know, I uh, when we when I was preparing to talk about this, Scott, I was thinking back to 2015. Remember C.J. Beathard's, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> midsection injury or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, before the Northwestern game or during the Illinois game, and he 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 toughed it out, played. But this is completely different from that, right? I mean, you this is not a team that's seven or no, you know, in the middle of the Big Ten season. This is a chance. You know, he was. You know, he could play through it then, but yeah. you want to play through something now. And I'm of the opinion is if he can't go full strength, I would not put Kate out there on Saturday because you don't want to you don't want to try to send him out there like, hey, don't get hurt. You yeah. know, any rush comes in, just go down. I mean, you can't do that kind of stuff. That's that's exactly what Kirk Ferentz said on Tuesday that he didn't want Cade McNamara to be out there. So I think it's either he's he's out there full go. Um, or he's he's not going to play. You can't be indecisive in this sport. This sport is too deadly. It's too there's too much injury that's associated with it. And half stepping is probably what got him in this position to begin with because he was taken off running, and he couldn't quite determine whether he wanted to slide or keep running. And then he kind of made a false step, and then that's what happened to his leg. And and it's like when you see people pull up, or you see people. You know, somebody doesn't think that the play's over. Somebody thinks it is. That's where the a lot of injuries take place. So in this situation, if you don't think or if you're not capable of thinking that he's going to play and play effectively and play without any kind of fear, then don't play him. However, um, it, Kate McNamara is going to say, I can play. I'm going to play because I'm this dude who does that. And then I think Iowa's going to be – Kirk's going to come down to a decision with him and the medical staff. And, again, you've got to be cautious if you're the coach, but you can't tell your player to be cautious. Because if you do, then – you know, especially when you're dealing with muscles. If you're dealing with things like ankles or backs or, or other or shoulders, you can kind of tough it out, whatever. But you can't do that with muscles. You've got to be very cautious. Well, and here's the last point on this is like anybody who said last week that they know for sure he's going to play is that's just not accurate because <laughs> he, he hadn't practiced. Uh, 
I I had a source with direct knowledge of the the medical situation tell me they were pretty sure he wasn't going to play based on the information they had. I had another source say, yeah, it's going to be really touch and go for the game. They're worried that he's not going to be able to play. Another source said, I'm 99% sure he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, with the, the information that we kind of had, it was probably like a three-week type of injury. You know, you get you, – you, and you know Cade's toughness, you know, maybe. He's got a chance. So you gotta you just gotta wait and see on these things. And even if Cade McNamara says to a teammate or a friend, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna play, you know, ten days ago, the the call is still Kirk Ferentz's and and it should be. I mean, they've got to think about the big picture here. Uh I I guess where I kind of predict it probably goes, and again, this is just kind of listening to what Kirk said last night and uh just knowing, you know that Cade has played through broken ribs before, broken vertebrae before. I think maybe they give him as long as they need to to build a lead, ideally, and then take him out. And if it's a tough game, he's maybe play the whole thing. But um, I don't think he's going to be emergency type of thing, um, which Kurt said he would be open to, but I just can't imagine Kirk doing that. Anyway, you want to move on? Just one last thought on that, Chad, and then we can move on, Is is that when you're – this is the difference between opinion and reporting you report. I, I had sources as well. Tell me that I just don't think he's going to play, you know, that whether it's 99% sure that he's not going to play you, you had the same thing, but you know, we could have reported that we didn't. We were, I, I felt all along that I thought he was going to play, but report, I never would have reported that he was going to play because that's just to me is, is irresponsible because projecting and predicting is different than reporting. And I think in this situation, you've got to be cautious. It's not an ankle. And even then, as you said, Chad, we go through this situation, things can change. Things change quickly. And I I don't want to give anybody the false impression of one way or the other. So yeah, I'm not going to predict it. And, and I think uh, it's irresponsible to do so. You had a nice piece on The Athletic uh, this morning, I think it posted, right? Uh, because yeah. <laughs> uh, surrounding Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz. Uh, Saturday marks the beginning of the drive for 325. <laughs> I, my favorite national podcast is the uh, College Football Inquirer yeah. with Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, uh, Ross Dellinger. Those guys are hilarious. They make me laugh. Yeah. They, they constantly talk about Iowa. And they had a huge segment on Brian Ferentz last night. So uh, I know you talked to Brian this summer. Uh, What is kind of your view as we get set to launch, you know, this uh, drive for 325 points to save his job? I think it's going to come down to Chad that everybody else cares except them. You know, that Kirk Ferentz is not going to make this a, an issue. Uh, Brian Ferentz certainly isn't. Uh, the players, I, in talking to several of them uh, the other day, uh, you know, Nico Ragaini, who's who I really like anyway, he's really funny, you know, mentioned that uh, he's like, what are we going to do, throw four Hail Marys? <laughs> uh, and then uh, Mason Richmond said he didn't even know about it until May. And he, I think he was at the four walled relays at City High. And uh, there was somebody working with like the sprinters. He was from Ankeny and. Uh, was an Iowa State fan and came up to him talking smack about it and asking him if he knew about it. He's like, I didn't even know about it. And then all of a sudden 
he said he took great joy from from that race because the uh, the, the sprinter didn't win, and he's like, those you know, he's like, I, that was the happiest day of my uh, the day was when they didn't win because of that. So, um, so I think this is a, a big deal for all of us, of course. And Gary Barta made it so by inserting it into the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a talk about situation, but you know, this is also Kirk Ferentz likes to thumb his nose and or other things at people from time to time. And I, here's what I could see, Chad is like, let's say next week at Ames and Iowa is winning 24 to 10 has the ball at the three yard line with two minutes left. No, no timeouts for Iowa state. I could see him just taking three straight knees, you know, and then on fourth and one, taking another one, even if it gives Iowa state the ball back there just to say, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. And uh, it, it would be hilarious. It would be a thumb your nose at everybody's situation. And we'd all be talking about it. And, and Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger and certainly Dan Wetzel will be talking about how, you know, you may need those points at the end of the year. But uh, overall, that's what I think is going to happen. Well, there is no better time to remind folks that Circus Sports is the exclusive sports betting app of Iowa. Everywhere, Circus Sports is sports betting the way it should be with the highest limits, lowest holds, and the best odds. Download the app today at the App Store or CircaSports.com. And the reason I mention it during this conversation, Scott, is because Circa has a prop on the Iowa over under 25 points per game for the regular season only. It does not count the bowl game in their thing. So I guess they're going dry for 300 in that uh, <laughs> with uh, minus 160 juice. So if you want to bet, you can bet, I think, a maximum of $1,000. So if you want to bet 800 bucks, you could win 500 uh, if the over hits, and I think it's plus 140, I checked this morning for the under. So, uh, where do you think it lands, Scott? I mean, just uh, as we get set to embark on this season, there are so many factors, right? I mean, does Cade stay healthy? Again, the, the stuff you talked about, does Iowa try to run it up in any way, shape, or form? I don't think they do. Um, do you think they go over that to 25? I'm not asking you to bet on it or recommend betting advice, but. Uh, what do you think, over or under 25 points per game this year? Uh, I, I think over. I, I do. Um, you know, here here's some of the interesting numbers that get thrown out. No, nobody really recognizes this. Two of the top 10 scoring seasons in Iowa history were under Brian Ferentz. Uh, the 2020 team that averaged 31.8 points per game was eighth, and the one that averaged 31.2 in 2018 was 10th, all time in Iowa. Now, last year's was the worst since 2000. Um but over his first four years, they averaged 29 points a game. You know, the last two have been rough, and there have been some reasons for that. We know them all. We don't even really need to go through them all. But I do think that they average somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 points per game. Uh, you, you look at the schedule. Last year, you know, here, here's a really interesting fact. They played seven of the top 14 defenses in the country last year, not even counting the Iowa themselves. And that was in total defense. And of those seven teams, they allowed a total of 16 games with 25 points per or more. So when you had a struggling, bad offense at Iowa, trying to do that against teams that rarely allowed 25 points a game anyway, that's a recipe for disaster. This year, you're not going to face the same type of defenses, um, and, and you're going to have a much better – you should have a much better offense. So, you know, if, if – 
Kate McNamara is out for the season. And if the offensive line collapses, then we can reevaluate it. But I think they're in the 27 to 28 point range. I think this is a moot point. It's an interesting talking point and it killed a day worth of story for me. But other than that, I think we're, <laughs> that's where I'm at. What about you, Chad? You get your lower than 25. No, I think it, I think they go over. I don't think it'll be. I honestly don't think it'll be an issue this year as long as Cade is healthy. Um, I guess I would say the two stats that um, I think will increase this year. And I guess we we can maybe get into this in our next topic too a little bit. But they've been so bad the last two years in red zone touchdown percentage and third down conversions. Like so, in other words, you're you're taking field goals instead of touchdowns, and you're getting yourself off the field quickly. And not scoring points. So I think having a better running game slash offensive line, having a better quarterback, a higher percentage quarterback mm-hmm. should and your tight ends. I mean, they had yeah. good tight ends last year too, but yeah. it didn't help. But um should increase those numbers and thus the points. And um I, that's why I feel like I know we disagree a little bit on this. Like I don't mind the 25 points per game stipulation that Barta put in. And I also as I was thinking about this more. I think he maybe did that because he knew he was leaving and didn't want to kind of leave totally nothing. You know, Beth gets in a position where she's all of a sudden, you know, has the decision to fire Brian Ferentz or not. It's Right now it's cut and dry in a contract. So uh, I frankly would have just had the points per game be higher. I mean, I, I don't think uh, if you're going to set it at 25, it's still pretty low. That would rank very low in college football, but I get it. So if they go seven and – what seven and six this year and average 26 i don't think i don't i doubt people are going to be too too happy about the offense so anyway no they will I think not they go be. over i think okay. they go over <laughs> you know there there are a lot of numbers i think that are to me are more important it sounds weird but they're more important than the than the points and and because they lead to the points. And as you said, red zone inefficiency was, it's been a disaster. And that, that probably is the area where I think there's been the most, the play calling has been an impact. Yeah. Uh, last, last year against Illinois was really, Illinois was... really bad, um, <laughs> really questionable at best, but, but, you know, and then you look at completion percentage. I mean, they're 55% last year. They haven't hit 60% since Bethard in 15 um, wide receiver catches is that was an abomination. That was the worst they've had since 82. They only had 76 catches by wide receivers last year. And when you think back, Chad, in 2019, they had 169, which tied for the record for, for that position. So you're talking about, you know, 93 fewer catches by a position group whose primary goal is to catch passes. Uh, that to me is, is just, and, and then you negate Sam Laporta's effectiveness because you, you have to have somebody out there who can win one-on-one matchups. And then you have throw him out there and it, it negated the fact that he could beat any linebacker or safety in a one-on-one situation. So, uh, you know, it's just all of this, you know, I mean, their touchdown percentage was 124th in the red zone at 44.4%. They only threw the ball. And this one, I actually had to watch every game to, and that was joy in itself, but I had to (laughs) rewatch every game. They threw the ball to the goal line or into the end zone three times when they were inside the 10 yard line, four total from inside the 20. That's you've got, that's design. That's that's mm-hmm. route. 
and, and it's also quarterback deciding where to throw it. But so uh, 320 or drive for 325 or 300, you know, I think they they move a lot of those numbers upward. For sure, yeah. Charlie Jones, 110 catches on his own last year for Purdue, by the way. 76 for all of Iowa's wide receivers. Uh, if you just want to twist the knife a little bit. Yeah. All right, let's 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 move on. We're kind of going long here uh, to the central question of today's show, which is going to be really fun. We talked about this Tuesday, uh, and I've been thinking about it a lot, so let's get right to it. Uh, Scott, does Iowa have a team that can not only get to Indianapolis but win – on December 2nd. Now we don't know the answers yet, but do they have a chance? I'll let you start. I'm going to start out by saying I need to see growth in a couple of areas before I give them the puncher's chance to go there and compete. And it's it's too hard to predict a win because no matter how they get there, they could be 12 and 0 and they'll still be the underdog if they're playing Michigan or Ohio State, maybe if it's Penn State because they had already had beaten them by then but 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 frankly they're going to be like a, at least a seven point underdog if they're playing an 11 and one ohio state or 11 one michigan so do i really do they have the type of team not today but they might by late november and to me it comes down to really two position groups taking moving forward quarterback obviously you know and you know Cade McNamara, two years ago, completed 64% of his passes. If he could be somewhere between at least over 60, that's one area that could help them get to that position and be competitive too. And I think probably the most important one of all, other than being accurate, is offensive line. It has to be better. It has to protect, but more importantly, it has to run the football because everything in Iowa's offense is, is predicated on, can you run outside slant? Can you run inside zone? Can you run counter? And last year they could not, two years ago, they could not accept when they decided let's run behind Tyler Linderbaum. And now if they can run those plays with an, uh, with a running back who I think very highly of, then you get to Indianapolis, you have a puncher's chance. You have an elite defense probably at that point. You have the best special teams in the country. You have a quarterback who's experienced, who can complete passes, and if you can run the ball with effectiveness, yes, you can go there and punch somebody in the mouth and win. But if they can't do it, kind of the way it happened two years ago, no, you don't have – the other team's going to have more explosive playmakers than you. They've got NFL dudes uh, you know, at wide receiver and in other places. So you've got to be your best at what you do. So if the running game can get, take off, if the offensive line can dominate and protect, and if the quarterback can complete the makeable passes, yes, they can get there. Yeah, I mean, definitely they can get there. And uh, let's start with uh, my thoughts initially here. And I've got I got a few more uh, more specific thoughts later, but let's start with the offensive line because I mentioned this on our Hawk Central show last night, but uh, – <laughs> For whatever reason, uh, I was watching the Music City Bowl before bed the other night, uh, and it, it dawned on me that the five guys that they started in that game are the five guys on the depth chart right now on the top the mm -hmm. top line. So they, you know, they brought in a Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker, but they still have the same five linemen that they had last year when they went 0 for 11 on third down against Kentucky <laughs> and scored seven offensive points uh, okay. on a short drive that started in Kentucky territory. So uh, that that just tells me that they are banking on 
development. That's what they've been saying this whole time. You can't microwave success, uh, you know, microwave experience. And, you know, that line is all over the, the building. Um, mm-hmm. So we, th- that's what I'm really looking forward to tomorrow or Saturday is mm-hmm. how much progress has this line taken? I mean, that was not, you know, that was a Kentucky defense that wasn't uh, outstanding mm-hmm. by any means because it had been, you know, whatever it was, uh, the opt-outs, whatnot, injuries, mm-hmm. they were – they were down, so, and they could not run the ball in the game. While we watched that game, that was that was ugly. Running, trying to run the football. Uh, now that was Jennings Dunker's first start, I believe. Uh, he was a guard. Now he's a tackle. Connor Colby's now at right guard. Uh, Nick DeYoung now at left guard. We'll see how the rotations go on Saturday. But uh, before I get into, before I start believing that Iowa can be a contender here, that's the answer I need to see on Saturday as a starting point. No question. Um, the offensive line is what's going to carry this team to where it wants to go. And, and you know, you look two years ago, they were able to kind of, you know, spackle and tape and put things together that really made it happen. But um, what they need is a jolt of confidence. Because even Kentucky, they had to have opt-outs, you know, Carlton Valentine being one of them, I think it was, and a few others. But they – you know, they still were a representative unit. I think they were 12th in the country. So um, they were tough to run on, and Iowa didn't look the part. So what makes me think that they're going to be better now, other than just natural growth and maturity, well, you're kind of banking on that. But then the other part is this is where confidence comes in. They had no confidence last year. You could tell that they just were beaten down and they didn't look the part. Playing a team that was in the hundreds last year in rush defense, whether you measure it by yards per game or yards per carry, they were in the hundreds. So which makes you go, and then then they only returned five starters on defense to to go with it. They lost some players to the portal. That's where this Saturday starts it. Now, you're also going to have to weather some tough games that way too. Week two is not going to be easy for this team. Going to Ames against that defense – You've got to expect a tough game. You know, week four at Happy Valley, same thing. But can they gut through it? Can they learn? Can they grow to where the point where, um, you know, in in November, you know, when they're playing Northwestern and Rutgers and can they be an ascending unit? You know, that's where you want to be anyway. So I think they're going to have some success on Saturday. It's going to make them feel better. They're going to have some adversity in Ames. They're going to have some success against Western Michigan, probably adversity in Happy Valley. And then you just got to figure out how do you grow from that? And that to me is, is probably where they're at. I mean, this is where Kirk Ferentz stakes his reputation, his offensive line. He even, he doesn't brag about himself very much, but he's like, you know, I do know something about this. So, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I kind of buy that with him. Yeah. Uh, and did you see yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Mel Kuyper's big, uh, early big board, Logan Jones, the number four center mm. on Mel Kuyper's board already for 2024. Wow. So, so he's a believer in a guy that struggled last year in a lot of ways. So that tells you the physical gifts that he has. Uh, I, I am in – concert with you on the get some momentum part because last year you think about South Dakota State mm-hmm. that was a that was a good team yeah uh, and you we, you made the comment to me in the parking lot the other day like that that South Dakota State team you know could beat this Utah State team by three touchdowns mm-hmm. so you know maybe but yeah probably 
And that, yeah. And then you face an Iowa State team that ended up having the fourth best defense in the country. Again, you're completely shorthanded. Then you get the six and a half hour Nevada game, which mm. had no continuity. That's right. the one game you thought, oh, we can finally see something, you know, get a break here. And then it's like choppy, choppy, choppy. Just get to the finish line. Just hope you count a victory. And and then all of a sudden it's at Rutgers. And then all of a sudden it's Michigan comes to town and you're in the grind and you never get better. So uh, I, that's what I, I think this Saturday is, is a great springboard for that. Scott, uh, I think the only way Iowa could win in Indy is, yes, offensive line play takes a big jump. Quarterback play, healthy. I think Cade will be fine. I, I don't I don't think he's going to be first team all Big Ten necessarily, but I think he will be just what Iowa needs as long as he's healthy. I feel good at tight end. I feel good at running back. We'll see on receiver. I, I'm upbeat about that. But what I look at, Scott, are the potential matchups. Can you match up against the three teams they might face? Ohio State. These are all three different types of teams. Ohio State, do you have the dudes in the secondary? I think they do. We saw it in Columbus last year until you know the offense could constantly put Iowa in bad positions. They had a plan for Ohio State's offense, and it was a dang good plan. Uh, they did not score a touchdown on nine of their first ten drives. <laughs> That's Ohio State mm-hmm. in Columbus. So I'm optimistic there, but we need to see development at the second corner spot. We need to see Cooper DeGene stay healthy. We need to see Xavier Wampa, frankly, be the five-star that he is. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see about linebackers, Nick Jackson, Jay Higgins. I you know, what, Drop off from Jack Campbell, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's the Ohio State, the big Ohio State matchup. Can you compete with their elite wide receivers? And I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan, obviously a totally different team, a trench type team. Can you compete in the trenches? We've kind of talked about that, Scott. I mean, last year they were okay, but you just couldn't offensively, you just couldn't do enough. So again, it comes back to the line and then Penn state. It's more to me, just that's always a good, you know, that would be the ideal matchup probably, but they've got a dang good defense. So and it comes down to your offense. So mm-hmm. it's either, you know, so I don't know. Like, I feel like Iowa has the potential in all three to at least match up and rely on those special teams to maybe eke out a close win in some of those games. Uh, any thoughts on the um, potential matchups if Iowa were to get to Indy? Whenever I look at Penn State, Iowa, I think of it kind of like the the old movie and book, The Outsiders. It's kind of like the Socias versus the Greasers. You know, you've got just two different levels of, uh, you know, caliber, whether athletes, recruits, expectations to some ways and and then once you start rolling around in the mud anything can happen and that's generally what happens with these guys and so yes i think iowa is more than capable of beating penn state it it has it's won the last two it's going to be an incredibly insane environment out there because they hate iowa now after what happened two years ago you know and especially after the fans and (laughs) booing and stuff um so you can get to Indianapolis and it might, you know, flip a coin. Um, Michigan, I think, matches up with Iowa well, like they did two years ago to an extent. Um, in that game, though, things got carried away because Iowa couldn't do anything offensively at all. They tried, you know, they had a great trick play that didn't work out. And, um, and 
then they gave up inexplicably gave up a couple of big plays and you know Michigan was kind of a steamroller at that time of year and, and trying to stop Aiden Hutchinson was a nightmare. Oof. Ohio State is a really tough one. Marvin Harrison and, and Amiga Buka is just I mean you've got to be playing really well. I think for me what would the only way you really match up with them capably is if you have you know, a very healthy secondary. Um, because if you have a, a, a weak spot, they're going to exploit And Cade Stover is a really good tight end too. We don't know about Kyle McCord, but he's going to have big numbers throughout the course of the year or, or Devin Brown, whoever ends up being the starter by then at that point of the season. Um, so, you know, but they'd have to do all the right things. And I think defensive line is going to be very impactful for this team. I think it dominates every game going into the Big Ten Championship. And that includes Wisconsin, Penn State, that the defensive line will dictate the tempo in every single game that's that good. But, you know, they're going to – people are going to get some balls their way. I, I just – I think in Indianapolis, right now I would say no. I got to see it. But I think I, I see a path to having that kind of a successful season. Yeah, when I was, I was talking to Jim Lachey, Luke's dad over in Indy, who, of course, is the Ohio State broadcaster, and they're concerned about their offensive tackles over mm-hmm. there. So that could be a potential, you know, a, a mm-hmm. potential edge for Iowa, maybe even uh, with, you know, I love Deontay Craig. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Joe Evans is is poised for maybe his best year yet. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, he has been healthy, but, you know, you just – you never know with six-year seniors, it seems like. Uh, they're starting to break down a little bit. And then uh, I, I'm excited about Max and Brian Allen, Ethan Herkett. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got some dudes there. And then yeah. we, we we know we love uh, Y.A. Black and Aaron Graves alongside uh, – man, Logan Lee is like the yeah. most under underappreciated Hawkeye out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah. just – he's so good. When I was watching that Music City Bowl, mm-hmm. he's running down guys. He's – he just makes some. I remember the 2021 game in Ames. He was making plays on Brock Purdy. Yeah, like, like really changed that game. Remember the long Tory Taylor punt, and then yeah. Logan Lee had the the tackle for loss, and all of a sudden that game really started to turn in Iowa's favor. Anyway, I'm just saying, I'm with you on the D line. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. It, it, it'll be fun. Uh, you know, be be a fun story to uh, to report. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think if they go, let's think about this, Scott. Let's just you know. It's preseason, right? Mm-hmm. If Iowa can just the, if Iowa can go eleven and one, obviously, very long shot chance they do. But if they do, then they go to the that Big Ten title game. I think with a win and in playoff, you know, most likely, unless the other conferences are so far and away better than Big Ten, because you're going to beat one of the one of the probably top two or three teams in the country, or have a chance to beat, I should say. So. You know, if you want to really think big, think eleven and one, and take your shot in Indy. Yeah, I think they're capable of it. I mean, when you look each and every game, and you say, "Can Iowa win this game?" and the the ones that stand out are the ones you'd expect. Uh, Penn State on the road is going to be a challenge, no question. Um, incredible environment; they've got great players, uh, as good of a defense as Iowa has. So. You're, you're going to be challenged. That's where the offensive line is going to be most challenged, that, you know, at least in the early goings. Wisconsin, I'm just not sure what we're going to get. Uh, this whole experiment of changing the, the system could be 
exactly what the program needs to vault it from being kind of stagnant and good at times to, hey, uh, they're competitive on a national level, or it could take them right back into the toilet, you know, and they could be in a really bad spot for a while and, and nobody lets you up. You know, especially in the new look Big Ten with four new teams coming in. It's not like Minnesota, Iowa and Illinois will say, oh, come on, let's let's wait for Wisconsin to catch up. You know, so that just to me is uh, it's really unpredictable, you know, with what Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin will roll this weekend against Buffalo. But, you know, the, they got a lot of unpredictability there. But Minnesota, you know, you're going to get their best shot. That's what they're going to be gunning for Iowa. They're coming off a bye. I actually have them, you know, I did my game by games and I had them beating Iowa just because of a lot of that factor. Iowa coming off a game against Wisconsin, then playing Minnesota at home. So I could see that being a, a rough one, you know, but by and large, this team's got a conducive schedule to mm-hmm. get where it wants to go. It has to build the right way. And, you know, we more than any other program in America, because, you know, Kirk Ferentz has been there thousand years that we look at this and we compare different seasons and this has a similar vibe to what i saw in 15 to 09 when the teams were just kind of even 08 to some extent where they were they felt like they were ready to break through that they were close that they had that mindset chip on their shoulder a little bit but really a motivated team i see a very motivated team very motivated program the the stuff with the drive for 325 to uh, the gambling just you know kind of a I, I see a lot here with this program to work with mentally you look at the offense chad every single player has something to prove and yeah. every single one of them does yeah you know? and so i i think they're going to they're going to come out and they're going to play hard and they're going to be very productive most of the year. Well, we are a Hawkeye show, but we're also a Big Ten show. So let's start by talking about some of these Big Ten games, Scott. And as we mentioned at the top of our Lenders and Listeners show, it's Nebraska-Minnesota tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox. Uh, Huskers are a seven-point underdog. And after 92,000 fans jammed into Memorial Stadium to watch a women's volleyball match last night, uh, do you think Nebraska gets back-to-back memorable nights uh, as a fan base? Boy, this is a this is a coin flip. I I took Nebraska in the points in one uh, one podcast, but I'm not so sure they're the better team. I, right. I think I think Minnesota is the better team because we know what Minnesota is. Now Minnesota's losing it. You know, it's the only team that actually has a homegrown quarterback in the West. This year, mm-hmm. and and Ethan Calic Calic Manis, but Manis, yeah. yeah, but they don't have Mo Ibrahim anymore. They do have Chris Ottman Bell for the fortieth straight year. He's, <laughs> old, he's older. He's older than we are. Um, <laughs> I I like Minnesota to win this game, but I don't like them to cover. I think it's going to be close. I think Nebraska is going to play really hard. I don't know that they have the dudes yet, but um, but I think they will eventually. I, I have no great feel on this game. I'm glad I didn't have to put him in my picks for for uh, Saturday's paper, but <laughs> I'm just excited to watch it. Like Jeff Sims, you know, the Matt Rule era. It's it's tough, you know, a new coach first game, you know. There's still there's a lot of excitement, but there's a lot of stuff to iron out. They're switching to a 3-3-5 Nebraska is. That'll be different. And Minnesota's just kind of like they're still the same program. I mean, they want to run the ball. They want to you know, be physical up front. We'll see how they lost a lot of good linemen, though. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not sold on their quarterback. 
they usually have a pretty good defense under PJ Fleck and uh, you know, uh, Sorach is back now, right? No, he's now at uh, oh, he Rutgers, right? Rutgers, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we'll see what they do in offense. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's an intriguing team to me. I know they're kind of a dark horse in the West, but uh, we'll see. Uh, the other games, I mean, you mentioned Wisconsin Buffalo. I can't wait to see uh, what that air raid looks like. And then my dark horse team in the West. Illinois has a really interesting matchup Saturday night against Toledo. I'm excited mm-hmm. that maybe I can watch some of that game after we're done with our writing. Because <laughs> that should be a good one. Toledo is one of the best group of five teams, uh, Mac favorite. Uh, and then Brett Bielema's team has to go to Kansas week two. So uh, that's another intriguing team to me is Illinois. I think they could be a sleeper in the West for sure. Uh, what other games you kind of got your eye on, Scott, or any of those games in particular? Yeah, um, probably those games that you mentioned. I mean, you know, first of all, tonight I'm very excited, you know, to have an opportunity to watch a Big Ten West game like this in primetime. Um, you know, kind of running down everybody in the West, it's just – there's there's some sort of flaw or there's some sort of issue that that prevents me from embracing it. I mean, Illinois is is building a lot of momentum and Brett Bielema has done a really nice job, but they have to replace some some dudes in the secondary. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Devin Witherspoon, Jartavius Martin, Quan Martin, um, and Sidney Brown. Then on the offensive side, Chase Brown, some offensive linemen. Um, they've got they've got a lot of people to replace. Now their schedule is advantageous. It's probably the easiest, if you will, of the Western teams because their only crossover of the Big Three is Penn State at home the week before Iowa plays them. So I, I like a lot of aspects of them, but this is a, this is not an easy opener, as you said. You know, it's in prime time against Toledo. Toledo's a probably a Mac, you know Mac champ this year. Um, so I think this could be a real challenge. Um, Purdue against Fresno State, uh, defending yeah. Big Ten West champion, I think they lose outright. Um, you know, and they, they spot three and a half, too, to go along with it. This is going to be a really wild ride, I think, for Ryan Walters because he wants to incorporate all those things that made him bat his eyes when he was a defensive coordinator at Illinois, but that doesn't really fit with what the style of play is. Mm-hmm. Hudson Card will try to do something. Um, their defense, they lost guys to the portal that really will hurt them. So I'm not really there with them yet. Um, and then Sunday, we got Northwestern at Rutgers. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. What do you think about that game? I kind of think Northwestern maybe is a upset special there. They're six and a half point underdogs. I know everyone thinks they're terrible, but I just, I mean, I think Rutgers quarterback is not good. And uh, Rutgers lost its punter. So (laughs) I don't know. Like, uh, I I feel like, you know, I don't believe much in Northwestern's roster. I mean, heck they lost a first round tackle and (laughs) they lost some good players off a one and 11 team. Uh, But I don't know. I'm interested to see that one too. That's a CBS game, right? So it's CBS. It's like, here you go. Um, Thanks. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, although they do get Ohio State, Indiana on Saturday as well. Yeah. I, I'll probably have to disagree with you there. I think Rutgers probably rolls them pretty decisively. All right. I, I, I just I need to see Northwestern compete before I think it can actually compete. And yeah, I just I think they lost too many players. The Fitzgerald situation. Um, I could see them going over this year and, and 
looking like Rutgers did a few years ago before <laughs> Shiano got there. I could see him losing every game by four touchdowns or so. Sure. Well, that's another that's another fun thing to watch this weekend. How bad is Northwestern? And and will that game in Wrigley Field uh, benefit Brian Ferentz's drive for 325 on November 4th? See, it all comes full circle. And Iowa yeah. plays Rutgers too later this year. So you can catch, you can really get a lot of a Hawkeye information this weekend uh, watching the Big Ten. Absolutely. Well, it would be great to see a team score a lot in Wrigley Field late in, <laughs> in, late in October, early November. Early so. November, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's good. That's fun to think about. Anyway, uh, what are you working on, Scott? I know we got that. We talked about the Brian Ferentz piece. Anything uh, exciting? Are you ready to just kind of kick your heels up till game day? At this point, you know, just now I'm kind of done with this week and looking looking ahead. I mean, next week, Cyhawk, you know, and there's always storylines from that. Um, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with gambling. You know, tomorrow's mm. Fry Fest. I don't, I haven't decided if I want to go. I mean, that, you know, to be a true Iowan, you got to complain about traffic and parking. And so I'll probably say that intersection's a nightmare. Um, so that may impact whether or not I go there just to say hi to anybody. But, uh, you know, so yeah, we'll get ready for uh, Cyhawk week and, and get ready for what's, uh, what's about to happen. How about you, Chad? Yeah, I had a. I mean, I'm. I filed my last thing already, so I'm just ready to watch some football uh, tonight. Got a little yard work to do first, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> got to squeeze that in in the fall, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I had a piece that posted this morning on uh, uh, Deontay Vines. Uh, gave up, gave up alcohol. Um, dove into vi- his veggies. He's really embraced a healthy lifestyle, and he's healthy. And that, and that's a uh, Kirk Ferentz keeps bringing his name up. At receiver, I'm really excited to see what Deontay Vines brings to this team this year because we've heard flashes in practice, and you know, can he be a guy this year for the Hawkeyes? He said he's been working mostly at the X, so mm-hmm. could he be? You know, Iowa needs an answer at the X, right? They haven't had one really since Brandon Smith, so um, you know, maybe Deontay Vines is that guy. Nico Regaini, healthy, and I'm so excited to see Seth Anderson and Caleb Brown at receiver. It's just a revamped revitalized receiver room. I don't know how good they're going to be, but it's exciting to think about the receiver room right now compared to where it was a year ago. And that's, uh, so that story is about hawkcentral.com. Opener is always fun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to just, you get to see who's starting, you get to see which freshmen are out there. Who's on the kickoff team. I mean, just yeah. there's so much, uh, who's going to return kicks. I, I hope it's Caleb Brown. I hope it is just for fun. You know, and uh, on kickoffs, yeah, kickoffs, yeah. yeah. I mean, we know Cooper DeGene will be punts, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just lots to learn on Saturday, most definitely. And it's gonna be really hot, you know, so be yeah. ready for that. And the traffic's gonna be a disaster. Don't avoid exit 242 at all costs. Okay. All right, you we know, got the, it. The, the, <laughs> the Hayden Fryway, go by the Hayden Fryway. Pick another lane, um, but overall, I think uh, I, I'm excited. I'm hopeful that it's that the offense works better than last year's 166 yard effort, it, two safeties, one field goal in week one. That was that I I knew I had like this sinking feeling, like oh my god, this is going to be a bad year, <laughs> you know, offensively. And it yeah. was, and, and it was. was, it was rough. But no, I, I I'm hopeful that you know, things go swimmingly and we enter Cyhawk week with lots of fun storylines. And cause Lord knows, Chad, we've had, you know, over the last year or so, we've had so many rougher 
type storylines and it's mm-hmm. controversial and you know it'd be nice just to write about football and it'd be nice to write about fun football so hopefully <laughs> we get we get there for a little while rather than to drive for 325 or or gambling and all these other issues exactly well that was a great show scott thank you uh for doing this with me and uh i guess i'll see you saturday yeah i can't wait chad looking forward to it all right thank you scott uh never enough time but we did uh put our first game week edition of legends and listeners into the books so we will join you all every thursday the plan is right now 11 a.m from the channel seed studios during the football season for scott doctorman this is chad lysico saying enjoy your swarm beers hydrate on saturday and join us next week here on iowa everywhere iowa everywhere